you have a Bible and you'd like to, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be uh, continuing our study of what it means to be in Christ. We're also talking about uh, imagining what God could do in and through Green Tree Community Church. So I've already let the cat out of the bag. We're going to talk a little bit about money this morning. So I think the initial reaction might be, you know, this isn't necessarily for me. It was early, early, early Friday morning, uh, the 27th of October in 2006. About two o'clock in the morning, my phone went off and I was sound asleep. I had been for at least three hours and I couldn't hardly see. I answered the phone. I said, hello. And the voice on the other end said, dude, where are you? I can't find you. Like, I'm in bed. What are you doing in bed? I, we were just together 25 minutes ago. How, you can't be at home. Where are you? And then the person it was like silence. And I'm staring at my phone <laughs> thinking, who are you? <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear this voice on the other end say, Dr. Ricks? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought I was calling Nate. I'm so, so sorry. Does anybody know what happened on Thursday, the 26th of October in 2006? Cardinals closed out the Tigers at the World Series. My son happened to have been at that game and got separated from his buddy amidst all the celebration, most of which I don't want to know about. It was pretty clear that phone call wasn't for me. <laughs> it's pretty clear that, that, that he found the wrong person. And uh, your reaction this morning might be, well, they're talking about money. They're talking to the people on my right. They're talking to the people on my left. They're talking to the people behind me or the people in front of me. Uh, and I want to just uh, gently uh, but directly remind all of us that, yes, this is a, can be, doesn't have to be, but can be a, a tough subject, can be difficult, can cause us to be a little bit uncomfortable, but God's word applies to every area of our lives. So the Lord probably has a different message for you this morning than maybe he has for me or maybe for folks over here than that folks over there, but there's something here for all of us. Even if you're a very first time attender at Green Tree, we're not interested in you giving today. We want you to, to uh, you don't need to give financially to Green Tree. We, we take care of our, our own spiritual family. If you eventually join us and become one of us, we can talk about it then. But there's still something here for all of us. Hear the word of God, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, says the Apostle Paul, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more than we could ask, far more abundantly than we, all we could ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you speak to us directly, that uh, while you're speaking to the folks around us, you're also opening our hearts and our minds to your truth to your love, to your grace, to your compassion. Lord Jesus, we live in a world much of which is defined by money, by how much or how little we have, 
by how many folks uh, want us to spend it on what they're offering. And the church can be no different, Lord. We can be manipulative. We can try to use guilt to coax people into supporting uh, the church. So, Father, we pray this morning that you would guard us against uh, all error. Uh, Anything that could be wrong in this conversation, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would protect us from that. Uh, We pray that your word would speak into our lives. Lord, you uh, love for us to be cheerful givers. You gave everything you had so that we could have life. Paul says that you were rich, but you became poor so that those of us who were spiritually bankrupt could become rich. So, Father, help us not to shirk from this or to think it's for others. Father, help us to understand what you're saying to your church this morning. We pray that you would apply it to all of our lives. Father, we're not here for my words. They're inconsequential. They carry no weight. They have no glory. They are simply man's opinion. And so protect us from me. Uh, Give us your word. Lord, I confess my sin to you and ask that I wouldn't be in the way of what you want to teach us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in this passage for three weeks, and two weeks ago we talked about the fact that God is the source of our giving, and we looked at this passage through the context of of all that God does to empower his people. Last week, we considered the truth in this passage that reminds us that Jesus and his love are foundational to our giving, that we have been loved uh, with an incredible love, and that compels us to join with Jesus in sacrificing and sharing and giving. This morning, we want to take just a little bit different angle as we begin to wrap it up, and we want to ask this, uh, this question, what does it mean to know God's power in us, uh, and, and as we live for his glory, we have the opportunity to be on a pathway of generous giving? So knowing God's power is in us and living for his glory, that sets us on a pathway to generous giving. If you also remember about uh, two Sundays ago, we, before we even began to have this conversation, uh, we asked the congregation to grab a little card we had given you and jot down thoughts you have on the Green Tree Community Church story. And we asked you to kind of project five years out or 10 years out and say, what do, what do we hope? What do I hope is the Green Tree story uh, as I look into the future? What are my hopes and dreams? What can I imagine, so to speak, for Green Tree Community Church? Uh, we had over 300 of those response cards. And, and one of the best moments I've had in the last year was sitting at my desk a few weeks ago and reading all of those cards. It was truly a, a worship experience for me to hear what God was putting on your hearts. Even those of you that are humorous and found fun ways to write those. But we thought we wanted to, we wanted to share with the, with the congregation the, some of the things that we're imagining. So a couple of folks did a lot of hard work to kind of pull all that down and, and put it in kind of some general terms. And what we'd like for you to do for the next couple minutes is go back to that question, what can you imagine? Uh, and let's think collectively about what we've said and watch the screen. You'll see some of the answers. There's some great imagining going on, uh, some great thinking going on in, uh, in some of those, all of those uh, statements. And, and who knows today whether some or all of those things will become a reality uh, in the next five to ten years, but certainly those are all uh, things worth the Christian community of disciples uh, putting their resources and their energy and their efforts towards. Uh, what are the possibilities? What are the chances that those things will actually become a reality, and I would say uh, that's based uh, on you and on me. Uh, the temptation is to look at that and say, "Boy, those are some great things. I really hope, uh, really hope they happen. I hope somebody makes 
uh, those things are reality. And the question needs to be for me and for you, for all of us individually, is what's my part uh, in making that a reality? And so we want to look at two things this morning. Uh, we want to look at this notion of knowing, right? Knowing God's power. Uh, that's the first half of our sermon in a sense. We want to look at that part of the, uh, the equation. And then living for God's glory will be our second uh, observation this morning. So uh, let's dig in. What, is it, what does it mean? Uh, why is it important for us to know uh, God's power if we're going to be put on a pathway of generous giving? Well, just as a reminder, what we talked about last week was knowing the love of Christ. And these are the verses that we covered last week that were rooted and grounded in love, that foundationally uh, our lives are established upon love. But, but, but what kind of love or whose love? Well, we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ. So the love of Christ is foundational. And unless you know that, your, your pathway in being a disciple of Jesus, let's set aside generosity and giving for just a minute. If you don't understand the depth to which Christ has loved you, or if you're not at least beginning to grapple with that and wrestle with that and internalize it for yourself, uh, there's a good chance that you may never come to Christ for salvation. And if you are a believer, there's a, a really good chance that your growth for the rest of your life is going to be stunted because the love of Christ is what saves us. It is what redeems us and it is and needs to be what identifies us. The world is right to be critical of the church when we don't lead with the love of Jesus. The world is right to call us out when we lead with self-righteousness, when we lead with arrogance, when we lead with a castle mentality of taking care of ourselves instead of a kingdom mentality of saying the entire world is important to God and we give ourselves to that for which Christ has given us. So knowing the love of Christ is important. But Jesus in this verse, in verse 20, begins to talk about how that love works its way out. And he says this, that the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or all that we ask or imagine, what we're talking about here is the power to make something happen. But Paul puts it in terms of more than we can ask or imagine. And as you've seen on the screen, uh, Green Tree's pretty good at imagining some pretty cool things based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be a strong influence for true and genuine racial harmony and, and real friendships in this area. Deep and abiding community for, for folks within Green Tree Community Church, for everyone. I know there are folks that are part of Green Tree that don't feel like they're part of Green Tree. And we need to, we need to commit ourselves to doing all that we can to make sure that everyone in this congregation understands they're part of the family. A spiritual family that experiences radical growth, not just through other Christians joining us, but through salvation. Committing ourselves to sharing the gospel, to living intentionally out of the love of Christ so that others are attracted to the beauty that is the gospel. A, a, a lot of folks set a bigger footprint so that we can expand ministries. I promise you our children's ministry folks would love to have a bigger footprint on this property. Uh, every time we talk about what could it be, they all say we just need some more space because y'all are real good at having babies and they keep coming and God's bringing more children to Green Tree. And, and I can, we're going to be 25 years old in three years. I can imagine three years standing up and saying, hey, guys, guess what? We, we, we just got to build another building. I don't know. We, we got to find room for all these folks that God's bringing to us. That, that's a wonderful thought to have. If we can imagine all of this, and if this verse is true, what it means is that we haven't even begun to think about what God wants to do. 
And so how is our thinking geared towards saying, Lord, here's what we can imagine, but clearly it's, it's not nearly as much as you imagine. Help us to be instruments of what you imagine and not the other way around. Not God, we know what the plan is and now we want you to bless it. But Father, our view is so small compared to what your view is. Help us to see your view and then help us to be part of how that's happened. Because the question is not what is on our Father's mind. The question is how does it get accomplished? And that's where we run the risk of looking at others instead of looking at ourselves and what this verse says, that God does far more, he's able to do far more than abundantly than all that we could ask or think, what? According to the power that is at work with the church not down the street, with the person sitting in front of me or behind me. No, through his power that is at work within us. It's not just for us and it's not outside of us. And it's certainly not while I sit and watch others, but rather it is the power of God that is in me. It is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the spirit of God that dwells within you that allows us collectively to accomplish more than we could ever begin to imagine because it's what God is doing. But unless I take this verse for myself and own it, unless I say, according to the power that is at work within Tom Ricks, And unless each one of us does that for ourselves and seeks God's answer for that question, it'll be like the thing you see when you're driving down the street, right? And there's six guys that are, that are working on a, on a hole that's in the street and they're fixing the holes in the street and there's six of them, but there's one of them working and the other five are watching around. And I know you've had the exact same thought I've had as you've driven by. It's like, oh, there's my tax dollars at work. I'm so glad that I, that I pay that property tax every year. So those five guys can watch that one guy uh, do all the work. Um, if this was a room full of pastors and I started talking about the 80-20 year, uh, 80-20 rule, everybody would groan because they know what that means. You know what the 80-20 rule is? The 80-20 rule in church world is that 80% of the people benefit from the 20% that do everything, that carry everything, that, that give most of the money, that serve. Now, we're very blessed to Green Tree that we're, we, we're much better than that 80-20 rule, but, but the fact of the matter is it's real easy for us to say the power of God that's in work in somebody else. When God is saying, I've put my power in your life as a disciple of Jesus, not only so that you might be redeemed, but so that you, Green Tree Community Church, collectively and individually are not watching each other serve, but you're serving hand in hand. We cannot, we must not look anywhere else except in our own hearts. We must avoid the temptation and guard against the notion of too little. Like my gift probably doesn't count. I was uh, at a dinner uh, a couple of weeks ago with a graduate student, was uh, one of the folks sitting at our table. And this person said to me, does my gift at Green Tree really matter? Because I'm in school right now. I'm just not making very much money. I can give, but it's going to be a teeny tiny amount. I said, absolutely you need to give because of what it does for your heart and how God's going to take that and multiply and grow that. You absolutely need to, to take advantage of that opportunity. None of us should, should think that our gift may be too little. If you read Luke 21, Jesus gives the most praise while he's watching the offering being taken up to the person who gives the least amount. But, but what she gave, which is just a couple of pennies, was all she had. And Jesus points to her and says, you want to know what faith looks like? It looks like that. There's somebody who's completely trusting in God to do what he's going to do, to provide the way he's going to provide. We must not look anywhere other than our own hearts, but we must avoid the temptation of uh, of thinking mine's too little. 
but we must also guard against the temptation of ignoring our own responsibility, assuming others will carry the load. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He's talking to the Corinthians about their gift, and, he, and he's talking about God here. He who supplies is, is the Lord Jesus. He who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way with, for all your generosity, which through us will produce a thanksgiving to God. What Paul is saying there is that God is the architect of my giving, that God will give me what I need in order to give what he intends for me to give in order to grow his kingdom. And so I can't ignore my responsibility, my part to play in my spiritual family, in my generation. This verse is clear that God has very specific ideas for Tom Ricks and his giving just as he does for you. And God is the one who will supply, whether he supplies what what mankind would consider a lot or what mankind would consider a little. So we must know, what's one of the things we must know? We must know that God intends to exert his power, not only to us, but in us and through us. Mother Teresa was... uh, having a conversation with a reporter that had come and spent a couple days with her one time. And uh, towards the end of that time, the reporter looked at Mother Teresa and he said, I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars. Mother Teresa looked back and responded, me neither. (laughs) But then she said this, we live in a community and among the suffering because it is what we are made for. If you want to know what you're made for this morning, Like, what's the vision for my life? What am I made for? You're made to be in a relationship with God through the love of Christ, and you're made to share that with others. You're made to, to, to give that gift to other people. That's our highest calling in life, and we do that in so many different ways. We do that. I, I do that from a position of being somebody that works at a church. But, but the vast majority of people at Green Tree, thank goodness, don't work at a church. And it's in our offices. It's in our homes. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our schools. If you're a student in a school, that's your place to bring glory to God and to allow his power to work through you. That's what God intends. If we're going to be uh, anywhere close to keeping up with the imagination of our Heavenly Father, it will be because we know and embrace the truth that his power is in us and works through us when it comes to every aspect of our lives, including our giving. But secondly, we, just two observations this morning. The second is this, that as that power works its way out, what happens? God receives the glory. Look at verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's think about that word glory this morning or, or glorious. Uh, the notion there is, uh, is something that has majesty to it, something that, 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 that carries brilliance. So maybe you, maybe you have or you've seen a, a beautiful diamond uh, ring, and, and you don't really look at the band so much. You look at the diamond, and it sparkles, and it, it's cut just right in all the clarity and all those different seas that are in there. You know, it's just, you say, boy, it's brilliant. It's glorious. Perhaps you, uh, you see a painting and a fresco on a wall or, or someplace where you see a masterpiece and you say, that is absolutely glorious. Some of you are going to sit down on Thursday and you're going to look at the table before you and you're going to say, that is glorious. I promise you, I, I take a vow today, if the St. Louis Blues ever win a Stanley Cup, 
I would say, that's glorious, right? It may not just be in, in, in pictures or words or pictures or, or, or objects, they're in words as well. I would argue, because I love my country, that the Declaration of Independence is glorious. I would argue that Abraham Lincoln was, was way ahead of his time, even though we have a nation, as a nation, continue to lag way behind in this area. But the Gettysburg Address is a glorious thing. It speaks to our care for all of humanity, for every citizen. When you think of the term glory, you think of something miraculous, and that's what we use, the God be the glory. He is the most majestic. He is, he is the most deserving of our praise and our worship. To the extent that you can't be around God and have it not rub off on you a little bit. When, when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and they stopped in Mount Sinai because the Lord was going to give them some direction on, on how they were going to be in relationship with one another going forward when he moved them into the promised land, every day Moses would go up to Mount Sinai and he would sit down and he would take notes to what God had said. And he'd come down and he, would, he created uh, all of this ended up being in you know, what we, we read today, the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, all those things that, that God gave them. But he would kind of take notes and, and, and meet with God. And it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29, that Moses didn't realize that when he came down from the mountain, that the skin of his face shone. Why? Because he had been talking with God. Hopefully, every morning after you read your Bible before you head off to work or school, and you don't do that because you have to, you get to, you get to, you do it because you get to be in the presence of God's glory. Hopefully, your face and my face shine a little bit. Hopefully when, when we have the opportunity in our workplace or in our family or in our settings to allow the glory of God in a little bit through how we care for somebody well, how we just take a couple extra moments to listen to somebody who's really struggling, how we maybe give something to someone because we know it'll just a little bit extra will help them. That's God's glory shining. Why? Because we're great people? No, because we've been with Jesus. We look different because of his glory shining in our lives. And we're called to give God the glory. Jesus points this out the night before he goes to the cross. Jesus is praying and he says, Father, the hour's come. I I know it's now time. I'm going to the cross. Glorify your son. And the cross is the most unglorious thing, but not to Jesus. Jesus understood that his death would be glorious. Why? Because it would give glory to God. Why would it give glory to God? Because it would pay for your sins and it would pay for my sins. So that someday, as Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says, from every language, every tribe, every people group, there's going to be representation gathered around the throne doing what? Praising God. Why? Because we were saved when we didn't deserve it. So Jesus says, glorify your son even on the cross that I might do what? That the son might glorify you. Because you've given him authority over humanity and eternal life to give to all whom you have given him. Jesus passion was to glorify his father. Is our passion to glorify our father. How does our giving do that? Say, Tom, I'm happy to give some money. I'm I'm happy to be supportive, but I I don't really think of it in the context of God's glory. Well, I think there are a couple of things that, that we need to understand. The first is there's a net result that happens because of the funding that is available to preach the gospel. So every, every, uh, I, I, I got to eat. I, I, I got to take care of my wife. I got to, I got to, I got to have clothes. And so I, I have uh, the opportunity to earn my living through sharing the gospel. Well, part of the giving uh, means that people are going to hear about Jesus here on Sundays, but it also means that, that our churches that are going to be planted are going to share the gospel in their communities. But it also means that the poor in our immediate community and in surrounding areas 
will benefit. We're getting ready to do affordable Christmas in a couple weeks. I'm astounded again and again by the generosity of this congregation to make sure that there are, there are a group of people in our community that don't go without. There'll be children, as we mentioned, all these children downstairs that will be brought to Jesus. Our community will be served. There, there's just a practical reality of the gospel moving forward, but there's something much more subtle, but I would say as important that takes place, and that's the transformation of the human heart. Second Corinthians 8, Paul is talking about some Christians who are called the Macedonians. Uh, and the Macedonians were a group of folks that, that lived uh, at the poverty level, maybe a little bit below the poverty level. There were people that, if you're doing a big fundraiser, you might not look at them uh, to invite them to your fundraiser. But something crazy had happened when Paul showed up at their church and was talking about uh, the folks back in Jerusalem that were suffering in a severe drought, a severe famine. And he was kind of going from church to church and asking folks to kick in a little bit, you know, to the benevolence fund so that they could buy food for these people back in Jerusalem. But it goes to the Macedonians who don't have a whole lot to start with. But here's what he says about them. They gave according to their means and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. How on earth would they do that? Well, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. There's a transformation that takes place in the human heart when we allow God to be Lord over our giving, to have control over the way in which we handle our finances. When we ask God to create within us a heart of generous uh, generosity, a heart of, of caring deeply for others, and as that transformation takes place, the world begins to change. If I think about it, there, there are a lot of things I, I, I quote unquote give to. <laughs> I give to the grocery store every time I go there because I need to buy some food, right? I, I give uh, not only to the grocery store, but and, and I don't typically do this part of the transaction. Cindy's really the one who loves to go find a, a deal, but Nordstrom's Rack and, and the outlet malls, uh, we give some money there because we, we need some clothing uh, to wear. Uh, now I do, uh, I'm very uh, joyful, give some of my money to the Marcus Theater out of De Pere because I like a good movie. And so I give to entertainment. Uh, I give to a lot of things. I give to my insurance company. I, I give for transportation, for, for, uh, for my mortgage, uh, for my home. And, and much of what I give is out of necessity, not the entertainment side. I don't need to go to the movies. I'll be honest about that. Uh, but much of what I, I, I need to have insurance in my car in case I bump into somebody. I need to have food on the table to eat. So, so a lot of this is necessity, but you know what none of it is? None of it's transforming. None of it impacts my heart. I don't get any joy out of going to the grocery store. Yippee, I get to go buy food. I mean, I, I like food as much as anybody else, but, but it doesn't change my heart. It has no impact on me, but giving does. Giving to grow God's kingdom is transforming. It actually grows me in my faith. I think I'm a better giver today than I was when I was a young Christian, but I think I have a long, long way still to go in growing in my understanding of God's generosity to me and how I can share that with others. I want to come back to Mother Teresa for just a moment because I didn't read you the whole quote. I just told you part of the story. The reporter says to Mother Teresa, I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars. And she responded, me neither. We live in a community and among the suffering because it is what we were made for. But then she says this, not only does it give life to others, but it gives us life as well. That Mother Teresa was so selfish. <laughs> 
She just wanted the abundant life about which Jesus spoke. She wanted to have a great life. She wanted to enjoy the fullness of God. And she understood that as she gave, as the way in which Christ gave to her, that what she experienced was a heart transformation. I would argue that most Christians in America, myself included, need to be set free from our slavery to money. Uh, In many ways, we have made it the measure of our lives. And God must weep over our lack of faith and our immaturity. But he does not stop transforming. He does not give up on us as a good father does. He continues to speak into our lives because he knows that as he transforms us, as he changes our hearts, that glory of God will begin to shine and grow in its strength in our hearts and our lives to the extent that the world around us begins to be transformed as well by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which brings me back to my first question. What can we imagine? A couple of weeks ago, we asked that picture. A bunch of you responded. We've encapsulated it in, the, in the, the little video that you saw at the beginning of the service. But I think what we're all saying is what we can imagine is, is a true gospel making a difference. In, in the presence of Jesus actually living in us and then through us in a way that is actually life-changing, not just for ourselves, but for the world around us. George Bernard Shaw famously said, there are those who look at things the way they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. Bobby Kennedy used that quote when he was running for the uh, nomination of the Democrat Party for presidency in 1968. And he, and he changed it just a little bit, but he, he credited Shaw and, and he said it this way. The problems of the world cannot possibly be, zol- be solved by the skeptics and the cynics whose horizons are limited by the obvious realities. We need men who can dream of things that never were and ask why not. I don't believe that the, that the Christian community is in the, the business of asking uh, why things haven't happened in the past. I think our calling is to look at it as the video ended right here, right now. Here's our opportunity. We can't control what's going to happen with the gospel 40, 50, 60 years from now. Some of you will still be here doing that. Some of the rest of us will be in heaven having a good time and we'll look down every once in a while and wave. Uh, It will be past you. But for most of us, about 50 years from now, we will be with the Lord Jesus. Our giving at that point is is not going to uh, have an impact on our experience at that moment. It's right now. It's today. It's for our lifetimes. So we're not going to waste any energy saying, why not? We want to spend the energy that God has given us to say, Lord, where are you going? How can we follow? Will you create within us a faith that expresses itself by knowing that your power is living within us and giving us the opportunity to live our lives, not for the false God of, of, of money and the temporary pleasures of here and now, but to live our lives for your glory, for the eternal good of your people, your kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that Paul reminds us that when we talk about the power of God, we need to look in the mirror and understand that God is giving us his power through the Holy Spirit, through our relationship with the Lord Jesus, through your grace. And that the power of your gospel is going to move forward through us, not around us, not in spite of us. So, Father, we want to offer you our very best expression this morning.
in our giving to acknowledge what it means to know that you have redeemed us, that you have saved us, that we live by your power and by your grace. We want our lives, including our resources, to bring glory and honor to you. Lord, we don't want to look back and say, why not? We want to look forward and say, Lord, here's our expression of, uh, of our faith in you. Father, what will you do? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let me just give you a, a bit of instruction this morning. Uh, what we're going to do uh, for the next couple minutes, uh, we asked earlier that you pass the pledge cards uh, around. We hope you've, you've done that. If not, uh, you may want to go ahead and do that now. Uh, because we're a little bit bigger crowd at this service, we're going we're gonna to organize it a little bit differently. So let me tell you a couple things before we do this. For the next couple minutes, uh, the worship team is going to play and, and, and uh, uh, lead a, a little bit of music. We're going to stay seated. Uh, that couple minutes is a time for us to think about our pledges. If you haven't uh, jotted it down yet, to, to make a pledge and to prepare our hearts uh, to bring those forward. If you have already made your pledge, you're ready to go. You could pray for your brothers and sisters and pray for Green Tree Community Church. If you can't think of anything else, pray for the pastor because he needs a lot of prayer. Uh, would appreciate that. Uh, but then at the right time during the, the, the second song that we sing, we're, uh, we'll be invited uh, to come forward. We'll be invited by the ushers. We're gonna have ushers and kind of go by two or three rows at a time. If you're seated in the transepts, just kind of sit tight. Uh, we're going to get the middle of the room going first, and then we'll, we'll dismiss that way. But, but you'll see, it'll be very obvious to you. And also, I, I would really love for everybody in this room to make some kind of pledge. Now, let me say what I mean by that. For our Green Tree family, we need to, we need to make our, our pledge for our giving. But you may be here this morning, and you might be a visitor, and you're, you're a member of a church someplace else. We don't want you to miss out on this. So maybe just jot down on your card, whatever you, not necessarily financially, but make a pledge to your church. I will pray for the pastor, you know, every day for the next two weeks. Jot something down that you can give back to the Lord to bring glory to him. And if you're not a believer, there's still a lot of other things in this world that need help. If you're like, I'm checking out Christianity, but I'm not really ready to make any kind of pledge like that. You know, maybe you love the United Way. Maybe, maybe you love the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts or, or the, the, you know, the early childhood program in the Kirkwood School District. Just, you know, make a pledge to something. We'd like everybody to have uh, an opportunity to be part of this because I think, again, whether you're a believer or not, I think it, the, the notion of and the truth of giving will be impactful in each one of our lives. But for the Green Tree family, this is our Sunday where we bring uh, our faith financial uh, promises for the next year uh, to the Lord. So... Next couple minutes, think and pray, and then we will bring our pledge cards forward.